Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Senior Vice President and Research Director Chris Mines to discuss the future of the enterprise software market. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, I thought maybe we'd start by just level setting. What has been happening to date with the enterprise software market and growth in that market specifically? Well, maybe the quickest way to summarize it is to go back to Mark Andreessen's famous statement in an op-ed he wrote in 2011 called Why Software is Eating the World. Mm. And I think that kind of captures the spread of software from specialized experts only kind of status to a place where it's ubiquitous in the corporate world and the, and the personal world, taking over more and more uh, activities that all of us do. They tend to be captured by software, uh, mediated by software, mm-hmm. uh, executed with, uh, with help from software. And that's been a pretty steady trend that we don't see abating anytime soon. I think, Carrie, what isn't software these days? Especially as it makes its way into the physical environment more, which is something we're obviously finding in the research. So define an experience that wouldn't be powered in some way by software. It's harder and harder to to find them. Maybe if you're in the uh, extractive industries, uh, Mm. you know, agriculture, uh, you know, software is not out there uh, picking green beans or, uh, you know, shaking apples off the tree, at least not yet. Sensors will be out there, though, to some degree. Sure. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think it's harder and harder to find, especially in the business world, activities that are not influenced, if not directly executed, with the help of software. And so in your most recent research, you're stating that obviously there's a tremendous growth happening in enterprise software, but that that may be slowing down in the future. So what's happening there? Right. We, we trace the, the growth of corporate spending on software back to 1995. It's grown at a, a pretty steady 7% compound annual growth rate over 25 years. Hard to find a sector of the technology industry or a sector of any industry that's posted that kind of uh, steady, relentless uh, growth. But we think there is an inflection point uh, here over the next several years even with the continuation, it's a paradox, uh, even with the continuation of uh, software's appetite for more and more uh, corporate activities and personal activities, uh, the rate of growth we think will slow uh, from that 7% rate posted historically to more like 4% in the coming decade, uh, we forecast from 2020 to 2030, uh, 4% CAGR for software spending growth. And in a nutshell, the the resolution of that paradox, the other side of the expansion of of software's uh, presence in the corporate world, is that it's getting cheaper. There are a number of factors that we can explore that are uh, pushing the cost per function, the cost per capability of software lower and lower. Uh, And so you don't have to spend as much to get uh, the same kind of oomph uh, from software as you have historically. So in some ways, though, that kegger number is slightly misleading. That's a spending number. But if you were able to put a unit number on it, this would be growing exponentially. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, because of you, you mentioned before, software 
getting embedded into physical devices, uh, you, you know, into, I mean, every gizmo and gadget that uh, uh, we use uh, increasingly is software-based. Mm -hmm. But big infrastructure-type uh, systems as well, uh, you know, the highways, the parking garage, the automobiles, uh, and the like. You know, none of us, or I, I think none of us have a car that's getting uh, its software updates over the air, you know, while we're sleeping. Ten years from now, that'll be absolutely commonplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, it will be the uh, the real Luddites that don't have a car right. that's getting software updates overnight. And we're talking about almost a trillion dollar industry, right? Yes. 900 and some odd billion yep. in uh, 2020. Yes. And perhaps we can talk about what are the, the things that are underpinning the, the shift that's going on today or what we're seeing from the like 2020 to 2030 time horizon you're talking about? Sure, sure. So, so some of the factors contributing to more efficient creation of software and, and lower prices uh, basically and, and, and therefore slower uh, spending growth for software. I mean, first of all, we're still talking about growing uh, spending, right? We're not talking about a a recession, let's say, in software spending, although there may be one or two years in that decade where it actually uh, declines. But overall, we're just talking about slower growth. So uh, software spending continues to, to increase, but uh, at a slower rate. Um, well, um, software gets cheaper to produce. Uh, automation is, is coming, as with so many other uh, corporate functions, uh, software will write software. It already tests it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we've seen automation come into the software creation process uh, first. But uh, that will start to spread to other parts of the development life cycle. And it's cheaper to have software writing software than it is to have uh, highly paid software engineers do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, cost isn't the only factor that, that contributes to lower prices, but it certainly is an important one. Uh, over that period. Um, some of my uh, fellow uh, researchers have looked at the uh, uh, coming decade uh, as the uh, one where uh, marketplaces for software will become uh, increasingly the, the channel. Enterprise software has been sold historically out on the golf course, right, to the, to the CIO. Uh, these are multi-million dollar decisions uh, and companies don't make them lightly, but they make them with a very high-touch, high-effort uh, kind of sales force. In a marketplace, um, companies will start to buy or enhance or add on or customize uh, their software spending uh, through a much more transparent and therefore much more competitive uh, means, uh, an online marketplace where prices are available, people are bidding on your business, uh, and that's going to serve to help depress uh, software prices. Uh, How much of that well. is happening today? You can see, uh, you, you know, uh, Salesforce, SAP, Alibaba, you all have uh, software marketplaces uh, today, not so much for their core products, but for add-ons, customization, uh, integration tools, those kinds of capabilities. Um, but the, uh, the, the analysts in our, in our package app practice uh, see that uh, expanding dramatically uh, over the next 10 years. You've very casually just annihilated two very big industries and groups of people that are currently <laughs> working in this business. So let's just back up for one second. You bet. Um, on the one hand, you talked about software writing software, mm. which of all the pieces in this uh, current research blew my mind a bit. Um, 
I knew that there's low code software right. and that people on the front lines are getting closer to actually writing the software. But the idea of software writing software really helps eliminate the need for all of the systems integrators in particular, it would, it would appear. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's true, kind of as Jen was asking before, is that happening now? And if that's true, what does that mean for yeah. that usually large, you know, one to $3 ratio, right? You spend $1 on software, you spend $3 on services associated with it. Right. That'll go down to like one for one. I, I think that's a, that's a good bet. Like 66% smaller. Right. It'll be a dramatic reduction in the customization, integration, installation, uh, maintenance work that uh, the big SIs do for uh, the customers of the big uh, packaged app players. Um, you know, there's an adjacent example, Carrie, that uh, e- even even that I think is even more visible today, uh, and that's in testing. Um, all of the big uh, Indian-based outsourcers have uh, vast software testing practices. I mean, tens of thousands of individuals. Uh, you know, acres of of cubicles, uh, and, uh, you, you know, who are, are squashing bugs, uh, mm-hmm. who, who are, uh, doing software testing. Um, those folks are at high risk, uh, over the next couple of years. And as I say, we're talking multiple tens of thousands of, uh, employees of those, of those companies as test automation comes in where they can run the tests automatically, uh, find bugs, Report them, squash them, mm-hmm. uh, and move on. Um, so, uh, y- you know, extrapolate that to other areas of the development lifecycle, sure. to to maintenance, uh, to uh, creation of software. I, I don't mean to say that creation, ideation, design uh, goes away uh, by by any stretch, uh, but there are certainly um, beyond testing, many parts of the software development cycle that are uh, ripening, let's say, uh, and are going to be uh, vulnerable or, or, or subject uh, to automation uh, over, that, uh, over that coming decade. And it's going to have, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the torpedoes in the water, uh, let's say, aimed at, uh, you know, the battleships that are the, the big systems integrators, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like so many firms in the technology industry, they're going to have to evolve and, uh, you know, move their, uh, you know, move those ships uh, pretty rapidly to uh, uh, find new sources of of value, basically, for their for their firms. And apparently those people should not be looking for jobs in sales. Well, right. The high touch sales team of these big companies. I mean, look, you're still going to make, you know, fundamental big multi-million dollar decisions. Those are going to be made by the CIO and the executive teams of, 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 uh, of big companies and choosing between Microsoft and SAP and IBM and Salesforce uh, is, I, I don't want to trivialize that uh, kind of decision-making process at all. But uh, when it comes to uh, buying the next module, when it comes to buying maintenance uh, for those packages, when it comes to customizing, integrating with other things that, uh, that companies have, those are areas where uh, online sales, uh, the so-called marketplace sales, will, will absolutely have a, a big impact and, and erode uh, the size and, and sort of coverage of the uh, the high touch uh, uh, 
high paid sales model that uh, most of those package ad vendors have in place today. And essentially tipping the scales towards the buyer, right? Putting the buyer more in control. Is it also putting a lot more of the onus on the buyer to figure out how these things connect? You bet. You bet. Software, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the the subtitle of the of the report we're discussing is prepare for a buyer's market in software. So yes, more uh, power, more uh, leverage, more negotiating uh, uh, space uh, for them, but uh, that means more responsibility, right? Uh, with with great power comes great responsibility. I suppose is Thank you, uh, sir. how to yep. <laughs> how to say that, right? Um, uh, for example, uh, you know we're we're confident that companies will no longer sort of fall into the arms of one or another of the big software companies. Well, we're an SAP shop. Uh, you know, we we buy when they tell us to buy. We upgrade when they tell us to upgrade. We renew our maintenance contract every year. Uh, you know, this, that's a, been a pretty pervasive uh, model for many companies, um, uh, particularly those who don't have necessarily the, the skills, resources, internal skills, right. I mean, to uh, take on uh, the sort of architectural responsibility for their software estate. Well, we think um, most companies, whether they like it or not, whether they recognize it or not, uh, every company's in the software business. Uh, they're, as we discussed, they're using software to control and mediate and record every facet of their corporate operations. Well, they better uh, embrace that. Mm. And... Uh, take responsibility for designing an architecture into which multiple suppliers can fit, uh, you know, that has a spectrum of uh, prepackaged off-the-shelf software, uh, custom-built software, open source. We haven't talked about that. Another, right. another price pressure, uh, an- another pressure downward on prices. Uh, that, uh, let's not say free, but let's say dramatically less expensive. Mm-hmm. Companies have to take on more of that responsibility to uh, own, de- design, own, manage, maintain their their software estate. Uh, they they can't and won't, we think, uh, depend on the big vendors to uh, to do that for them. Is part of it taking the the cost savings or like the efficiencies that we're talking about here with those prices dropping? And reinvesting into a talent pool that can do that can architect, you know, an ecosystem or understand the the twos and fros of connecting the dots. Here is that? Are you, are yeah, you think you I, can see that? Yeah, I think I, I think that's a great uh, that, that's a great observation uh, that uh, monies that have been largely spent with uh, packaged vendors or with custom uh, outsourced custom development um, uh, migrates. In house, mm-hmm. uh, we saw an announcement from VW uh, a couple of weeks ago about it uh, uh, reformulating its software strategy um, uh, for mo- mostly for autonomous vehicles, but I think it it, it spreads uh, beyond just the products. And they were saying they were going to take the percentage of of their software estate that is developed internally from ten percent up to sixty percent mm-hmm. over the next five years. And invest, you know, a handful of billions of uh, euros to make that happen. I think that's uh, emblematic of what we're going to see from numerous uh, large companies like that. Um, one other adjacent point that 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 uh, 
leads me to is the notion that software becomes uh, an issue for the board, uh, the boards of directors, the CEO, the C-suite uh, of a company. Um, uh, you know, it's it's too important to be left to the geeks. Uh, you, you know, you've got to have um, a, a uh, corporate software strategy, a set of processes for decision-making and investment that come right from the top. When I hear you talk about the investment required to do this, like a VW, going from 10% to 60%, or even the cultural shift required, I have to admit I'm quite skeptical. And I understand it has to be at your core. But I'm skeptical of some companies, many companies' ability to make that pivot and become, A, a software company, and B, a software company that consistently delivers. It's just so different than the mindset today. Sure, sure. I mean, what, are you an optimist around this? Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm optimistic that many companies can successfully take on this challenge. But I think you're right that, uh, you know, outsourcing has been a, uh, a crutch, uh, a, um, uh, you know, an, an out uh, uh, for companies that, that don't want to tackle this. But I think, you know, there have been enough uh, well, there's been uh, enough spectacular failures, but I think there have been some, uh, you know, low-grade failures, let's say, that don't necessarily make headlines, but, uh, you know, people are really frustrated with the quality, uh, timeliness, uh, and, and sort of uh, uh, continuity, let's say, of the relationships that they have with uh, outsourced software developers. So... I, I think the the choice is, uh, you know, limp along in that mode or, you know, do something different. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking or saying that most companies are software companies or should be software companies, and then we're saying, okay, well, you're going to need to be doing this differently or having, you know, the board and the CEO kind of like take the reins of this software strategy, are how are we defining software strategy different than business strategy or how, how are you thinking about how those two things connect? Because they're so much maybe the same thing, but different at the same time, I guess. Yeah, I think they are uh, intertwined uh, and, and, and ever more so, right. uh, ever more intertwined. Uh, I, I mean, I think, you know, when you're looking for uh, how do you create uh, differentiated experiences for your customers, the, one of the first places you're going to go is software. Mm -hmm. that's, where, that's where those experiences are going to be instantiated and, and experienced uh, by your customers or, or prospects. Um, so that's the, you know, the whole set of sort of uh, revenue, pre, you know, premium pricing, differentiated uh, opportunities lie there. On the cost side, Similarly, you're looking for efficiency, you're looking for uh, places to uh, do things uh, faster, better, cheaper. Mm -hmm. Software is often going to be the answer on, the, on that side of the ledger uh, as well. How known is this point? I mean, you make the point in there about less packages sitting on the shelf waiting to be used, which in my mind immediately goes to depreciation. Yeah versus paying as you go what you need, that seems like a big shift in, from my mind from CapEx to OpEx. And are companies thinking about this? Are they preparing for this? Do CFOs understand how to model that? I, I think 
They're they're starting to. I mean, what we're what we're talking about here is the whole notion of uh, as a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as companies package their their goods or their uh, offerings in a pay-as-you-go, pay-as-you-grow kind of model, the uh, the, the budget uh, allocation, uh, where, where the budget dollars come from uh, on the buyer side shift from the capital budget to the, to the operating budget. I don't think we've seen that play out far enough, uh, long enough to, to, to really answer the, you know, do, do companies have a grip on this? I think they, I, I, I think they sense it, but uh, it's still kind of out there on the horizon, I think, for most. Um, you know, we've done some work on uh, what we call agile financing, mm-hmm. uh, where the world of agile development, uh, quick iteration, uh, not sure what the endpoint is, uh, you know, test and learn kind of uh, continuous development kind of capability. Well, that butts right up against a, a fixed annual budget. You know, here's the budget you have for software uh, from the CFO. Uh, when that runs out, see you next year. Right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so agile meets uh, in in agile. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, kind of in in spades there and. Uh, but there's a lot of work to be done just educating CFOs on, you know, agile, agile finance. What the heck? You know, it's not in the, uh, you know, the MBA curriculum. Right. You know, it's not in the finance textbooks. Uh, so there's an awful lot of learning uh, that, uh, you know, other parts of the organization need to do about the implications of, of agile uh, and uh, by extension of the whole as-a-service uh, procurement model. I mean, as a public company reporting earnings that's expecting that's marching toward an operating you know, margin, this kind of upends everything that we know about the way that we do that reporting yeah. and expectation setting. So this has got to be a question of the century at this point for CFOs. Absolutely. I mean, some of the models, uh, you know, we've seen some of the big software companies go through this transition, uh, move from an upfront uh, license model, uh, which <laughs> creates that shelfware you mentioned uh, a minute ago, because you, you know, you buy un- uncertain of exactly what capacity you need. So you tend to overbuy, basically, you know, just in I, case, maybe right. a thousand licenses, uh, you, you know, nice round number kind of thing. Uh, and then, you know, 400 of them end up uh, on the shelf, right? Well, guess what? You still paid for those. Uh, you're probably still paying a maintenance contract mm-hmm. uh, for those. Um, so, you know, you're fat and happy as the vendor. You know, you're loving that state of affairs, right? When you start to sell on an as-needed uh, pay-as-you-go basis, your internal accounting uh, has to change around uh, uh, pretty substantially as well. So, uh, companies like uh, Salesforce, uh, Microsoft, to some degree, uh, smaller software companies have, uh, you know, they're they're halfway through this transition, three quarters of the way maybe through this transition. So there there are lessons to be gathered uh, from them, but on the buyer side, it, it, we're we're just getting started with that sort of uh, educational and and transformational process. So Chris, as we think about what we just talked about, right, and the the shift to buyer's market, the fact that growth may be slowing, but it's growth nevertheless. What should executives and leaders, both 
technical leaders and, and business leaders be thinking about today and perhaps as they're planning out their, you know, five, 10-year plan right. for their firm? Right. Well, let's let's just summarize a couple of things that, we, that we've said. Every company is in the software business. Like it or not, uh, recognize it or not. And you're, what that means is you've got to start at the top. You've got to educate the board, uh, educate the CEO. We've done a lot of work with, with software leaders who need language to talk to their CEO, to, to talk to their board, uh, and, and try and help them understand the importance of software to their business, but then also what, how the business needs to change. And I think, you know, developing that, that strategy we talked about of, you know, what do we buy outside? What do we get somebody else to build for us? What do we build ourselves? Uh, how do we build that and nurture that internal capability and then focus it on places where it will make a difference, uh, places where it will differentiate our firm in the eyes of our, of our customers. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. Pleasure. Thanks, Chris. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.